You're listening to BQN. Assimilate the audio. Engage. Since the days of the original USS Enterprise, now a new galaxy starship has been designed. Transporter Chief, beam our listeners aboard. Welcome to Galaxy Class, a Star Trek The Next Generation podcast on the Fandom Podcast Network. I am your host today, Head of Going Live, Joe Keegan, who his heart is pounding out his chest at the moment because this is the first time that I've ever podcasted live. But I have a few hosts with me that are going to help me out and I will beam them in just now. We have Councillor Amy Nelson and we have... Diplomatic Standard Bearer, Kevin Scarf. Um, we are due to be joined by Chief Recreational Officer, Rhea Papagiorgio, but she, as she would say herself, a pack led when it comes to technology. Um, so we will beam her in whenever she arrives. How are you guys today? Uh, my heart is beating fast too. <laughs> <laughs> We're live. Hello, everyone. I can taste heart in my throat. <laughs> Oh, it's not that big a deal. No, we do this every fine. week. We do, but do you know what? We have the benefit of recording it and then editing out all the rubbish we talk or any of the times we speak or when Amy swears like a like a a US Navy SEAL. Um, we edit all that out so it goes out as a nice, neat little package on a Friday morning. Um, but now we're live, and if we misspeak or swear, um, then my mom's going to hear it. And... <laughs> Ah, that's a bit terrifying. Hi, um, Joe's mum. Yes. Hi, everybody that's listening to us, all potentially three people. We uh, already have people watching us live. Do. We are currently going out live on the BQN Collective Facebook um, group. We're on the BQN uh, podcast YouTube channel. Um, we're going out on the Galaxy Class pod. Twitter feed and the BQN podcast's Twitter feed. So try to get out to as many places as possible, and we may have people listening in. Um, one thing to say, Amy, you're good at working the banners. If you wanted to us to read out your comments and you're a Facebook user, if you go to StreamYard.com slash Facebook, um, you'll be able to link Facebook to StreamYard. So it can give you your permission to have your have your name shown so it doesn't come up as Facebook user. Yes, because we do have a Facebook user who is wishing us good luck. Thank you. I, I don't that know who you are. Is Chris Tribuzio. <gasps> what? Trips. Hello. And we have Paul watching us. Hello. And our co-host of All Good Things and What's the Tea, Bev, Christos, is watching us too. Christos says hello there. Hello. Um, Paul Red Jr., thank you so much. You said that you got this, Joey Joe, and that would be me. Um, 
And he also says hello to Kev Kevin and Amy. Well, it looks like we've got a Facebook user in France, perhaps, who says bonjour. That is Max Lobar. <gasps> Max, uh, Max. Hello. Not seen Max in a million years. This is exciting. Well, I've got the uh, I've got the Facebook feed running on another device, so I can I can see nice. who these uh, known Facebook users are. Oh, fabulous! Are you, okay. are you moderating for us, Kevin? I'll moderate the Facebook chat. Thank you. Nice, thank you. I'm um, Ria Papa Giorgio. Uh, has joined us. Uh, it looks like she's stuck in a subspace loop of some kind, but she is <laughs> of here. Of course. How are you? Yay, technology. Pretty good. Good to see you guys' faces. Yay, Ria. Hello, hello. Yeah. It's been so long. I know. So long my computer forgot how to... It might be the background screen yeah, that you have. Struggles with that kind of thing. Oh, um, you don't want to see my messy room. Oh, that, <laughs> that's okay. Um, can I just give a, a shout out to Daniel Broadway, who's a visual effects artist, whose video I stumbled upon to create the intro. And you know what? I love it so much that we have to um, watch it again. Um, let's just put it back to the beginning and see that beautiful flyby of the Enterprise D. It's just like one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. Yeah, so thank you, Daniel, for giving your permission for us to use that as our opening to our Galaxy Class live episodes. We've lost Rhea again, um, and that's fine. She may pop in. She may be stuck in a tertiary layer of subspace with the Schism Aliens. Um, just a reminder to Facebook users, if you go to StreamYard.com slash Facebook and you add your permission so that StreamYard gets your name so you don't come up as Facebook user. Some of the oh. other Facebook users that we've got right now are, uh, who said, hi guys, especially Amy. The name is Nan Cruikshank. Oh, Nan Cruikshank, that's Ewan's oh mom. Oh my gosh, Nan, hi. Oh. And I'm also, back. Yeah. Also Tim Hands. Has, uh, oh, I love Tim too. as well. Oh. Uh, we've got another comment um, from uh, Sir Patrick Stewart that says you guys are doing a great job and I love listening. Oh. I, made, I, made that, I made that one up. Yes. Sir Pat Stew is one of our biggest boosters. He's great. Yes, yes, exactly. Um, shall we um, check the communication array to see if there's any comments from our listeners? Long sure. accessed. Hmm. Amy, do you want to take it away? Yes, we have from uh, last week's episode. Oh my gosh, do I even remember what it was? Let's see what Vera Bible has to say. Love this Star Trek No Reservation series. Your world bu building via podcast, which I think is fa fantastic. Also, I can personally attest to the fact that more than one piece of baklava can be eaten in one sitting, LOL. Kevin, you <laughs> had a connection at LGA. Re Ria's comment, this is LaGuardia Airport in New York City. Oh, and live mm -hmm. to tell the tale. Great job, as that airport can easily break a person. 
it was a very short connection, 45 minutes. Uh, my Luckily, my flight was early, and uh, it was good. You know, I, everything went pretty smoothly. So... I was so worried when I went on the Houston trip with school, when I was taking 24 kids to Houston, NASA in Houston, and we flew to Schiphol in Amsterdam, um, and our connection time was, there was a 45-minute gap between landing and taking off again, and um, we thought we were going to have to run to the other side of Schiphol, but not. we had the next gate. We got off at gate 45 and on at gate 46. It was seamless. It was amazing. Um, That's anyways, nice. Yeah, we have um, some more comments. Um, Ria, do you want to take this comment? Because it's from you, and I'm not going to mess up the Greek pronunciation. Uh, well, Kevin or Amy could take it because uh, Kevin pronounced Kataifi just right, and Nelson, Aha. Nelson, Amy, you pronounced Galactoburico just right. So bravo to you both. Greek flag emoji, Woo-hoo! Greek flag emoji. Nice, Yay. well done, guys. I wouldn't even attempt them. I would need some pronunciation tips i think if i was going to do see that. joe my greek accent was perfection i'm just saying well <laughs> marina will be impressed well your scottish accent um is offensive to the five million people all <laughs> over my country um uh, can i tell you joe, i'm doing oh, yeah well, go on is it i'm doing a play right now where i have to do a scottish accent so i was going to send you all my lines and have you record them so i can just copy your accent Yes, sure, I can. I can send you an invoice for that. That's cool. <laughs> uh, Kelvin Wood then goes on to say, "So, if we're doing an order, next episode will be Code of Honor Planet. Good luck with that one." So, that's uh, all. These comments are in relation to our episode Galaxy Class One Two Two, which Amy and Kevin did uh, a tourism guide to the Federation. Yes, um, mm-hmm. it's thanks. a new series. Yeah. It's going to be fun. Yeah. Okay, let's move on to what we're supposed to be talking about today, yeah. Oh, well, we have one more comment from Kelvin Wood who says, so if you're starting in order, because we did Den of Four, which was the planet editing. I just said that. Oh, I'm so sorry. This is is live. He's not paying attention. You're not going to be. You're not going to be. Amy, you're not going to be a news anchor. Listeners, this is why we don't go live because then I can cut this out. When you listen to the podcast, you won't even remember <laughs> this. Exactly. Anyway, let's move on. Incoming transmission. So, guys, we have decided to go live for one very, very specific and special reason, and that is Picard season three has just launched. Yeah, and all the rumors running up to the first episode were that, and all the trailers were that they were going to bring back the entire TNG crew. So Picard, Riker, Data, LaForge, Worf, Troy, Crusher, the whole kit and caboodle, and the, the, that teenage version of myself that still exists that watched TNG growing up in the 80s and 90s, it was just ridiculously excited about this. Um, so that's what we're going to talk about. Um, episode one aired on Thursday in the US and the UK, and I think the rest of the world got it on Friday. Kevin, you got it Thursday, Friday, yeah. Thursday morning, yep. We get it the same Thursday time. Thursday morning, because yep. yeah, awesome. Um, what were your first impressions about this first episode, which was called The Next Generation? Amy, mm-hmm. why do you take this one? All right. Well, the title just warmed my heart for this episode, The Next Generation. Like it's bringing us back already. Um, I did watch this three times already. 
Um, I went to a last night, a watch party with some local Trek people here. So that was really fun. And um, I really enjoyed it. I have some nitpicks. Maybe we'll get into them, mm -hmm. but just overall really, really good. The chemistry and the connection that Riker and Picard have absolutely spot on that yeah. for me stole the show. Absolutely. Rhea, what about you? Um, kind of the same thoughts. I mean, of course, I was super excited for it. Um, so, of course, what hit me right off the bat, like I know the nostalgia that all of you have for all the TNG characters and everyone coming back and everything. That's how I feel about the TOS movies and to have so many callbacks to the TOS movies in this first episode <gasps> made me cry. I was um, the quite music something. was just incredible. And uh, badass Beverly, that was, yeah. That was fun to see. Absolutely. We'll talk more about this. Kevin, what were your initial impressions mm -hmm. of the Joe? episode? Yeah. Well, I... Oh, go ahead, Amy. Did you have something to say, Amy? Guess not. Uh, so <laughs> I uh, got out of bed before my alarm on Thursday morning. And uh, I uh, watched this starting at before 5 a.m. Uh, and that's how excited I was to watch this. And it did not disappoint me. I was very, very excited to see it. I loved the look of the show. I loved Picard and Riker as a buddy team up is like, like a road movie. Excellent. Yeah. So uh, I just want, you know, I, I cannot wait for this season to unravel and I wanted to unravel slowly so that I can savor each bit. It was, it was for a TNG fan. This was, this was it. Yeah, I would agree with you for a TNG fan for like Rhea says for a, a TOS movies fan. There was so much in this episode to kind of feast your eyes on. Um, I, I, you know me, I never liked Picard season one or season two. I, it didn't really, it wasn't really my cup of tea, so to speak. Um, um, however, I've watched them both multiple times. So going into season three, I wasn't entirely fussed. I was kind of excited because of the TNG crew, but I was kind of lowered my expectations. Um, so that was, I wasn't disappointed again. And then I watched it and then I watched it again. And then I watched it again, again, again. So I think I've maybe seen it five or six times <laughs> since yesterday. Um, and a couple of those times were to frame by frame, analyze it and pick the details apart. Um, I I don't think there was a part I didn't like. It's just such a... The music, for a start, is outstanding. We'll talk about that mm. later. The end credits are like an episode in themselves. Um and it's just nice to see there's a vitality to Patrick Stewart and the ca character uh, um, Jean-Luc Picard that I don't think we got in season one and two. Obviously, he's got his new synthetic body, um, so maybe that's something to do with it. Um, I think it's maybe useful to preface this whole episode with the fact that this isn't going to be an entire breakdown of the episode. So if you haven't seen it and you want to avoid spoilers, please stop listening. Okay, um, so I would do a bit of a scene breakdown for the people that have seen it. Sounds good. Um, 
because quite a lot uh, goes on in this episode. We open, now depending on where you live and what streaming service you watched on, the episode opened and we got this Star Trek universe kind of rainbow delta logo that we're so used to in the past couple of years. And then, uh, faded to black, we got the CBS Studios production logo, and then we got in the 25th century. So I think, depending on streaming service, some people missed out in the 25th century. Some people did not get slayed. I found out about that after the fact. Uh, Here in Canada, it... It's broadcast on Crave, and we got a black screen where uh, where it said in the 25th century for those who are watching on Paramount+. Plus. Interesting. Can we just comment, Joe Helen, that is not that is not crazy to watch it a second time. Do you know what? you To watch it with just one time does not do it justice. So um, mm-hmm. I don't find a new husband. No, I don't know. I'm sure he's lovely. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Joe. Um, so it opens up the episode, we see this nebula kind of with orange and red hues, and there's a song playing, which is I Don't Want to Set the World on Fire, and it's an old song written in 1938 and recorded by a number of acts, including um, The Name Always Escapes Me, um, who recorded it famously, The Ink Spots, in 1941. <laughs> Um, don't think any of us were alive back then. So, but we all recognise the the song. It was used in um, a game series. Kevin, do you remember which game series it was? Fallout. Fallout it was using the Fallout mm-hmm. game series. Um, interestingly, it reached um, its highest popularity after the attack on Pearl Harbor. And the lyrics: "I don't want to set the world on fire. Mm-hmm. I just want to start a flame in your heart." So I don't know if that is an indication as to what's going to happen in the rest of the season. Do you guys have any thoughts on that song? It's a very I specific- had not. I didn't realize. Yeah, I did not recognize. Oh, go ahead. Rhea? Oh, yeah. Just that's very interesting that it uh, uh, became popular right after Pearl Harbor. That's I wonder if I would imagine that's intentional. So. Has to, I think most of the things that we see, most of the Easter eggs and the little details mm-hmm. um, have to be intentional. I think if you watch the episode enough, Joe Helen, like watch it 20 times and you'll be able to decipher what happens throughout the entire season three arc. <laughs> and then we meet somebody we've not seen in quite a while. We meet um, Dr. Beverly C. Crusher. So she's now got a middle name with the initial C, and she's on her little ship called the Ilios. Um, Rhea, Ilios? Ilios comes from the Greek word Ilios, which means sun, S-U-N. So. Who knew? Hmm. I knew it would be you. I know. Well, anyone that speaks <coughs> Greek. So. Yeah. So, Isn't there also a god, Ilios? Like he's a god of a god of nurturing or a god of compassion or something like that. I thought I had read that somewhere that um, in Greek mythology. Elios, Il- Elios with, an, with an E, it means mercy. Elios. Elios mercy. with like yes. an E sound would mean sun. Yeah. Hot, fiery sun. So. Either word. So on, yeah. On the Elios, we meet um, Dr. Crusher. And... So, 
Question. Yeah, on you go. What do you think about the uh, middle initial popping up all of a sudden that we've never known? I have yeah. thoughts on that. And why isn't it H for Howard? Yeah. Uh, oh. Yeah. Well, uh, I was thinking, well, and not me. <laughs> I will put this on Christos. Uh, because Gates McFadden, her given name was Cheryl. Yep. So we're thinking the C for Cheryl. C for Cheryl. No, no, no. The C is for Christos. Her, it is <laughs> Beverly Christos Crusher. It's official. Christos, your canon. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know about that. But I had a thought. So we see her with her grey streaks and her hair. She... And during the battle, the fight scene on the Ilios at the beginning of the episode where she's fighting the the guys with the beaked masks on, mm -hmm. um, the scary bad guys, um, with their, their miniguns, um, she vaporizes one of them after she shoots, shoots them, which isn't necessarily mm -hmm. a thing we, um, we think that she would do. We've never seen her character do something that definitive. Um, I, like, the guy was already dead, but now he's... There's no chance of saving him because mm -hmm. he's just dust. Um, so she does that, and she's now got this name, where they, this middle name that we've never seen before, and it's really dark on the ship. So I was thinking, is she a mirror universe version of Beverly Crusher? No, I don't you know. Do. Not, it's dark. Um, yeah. She's just done something really bad. She's got grey streaks in her hair, and she's got a middle name that we've never seen before. Yeah, okay. all she needs is a goatee. <laughs> <laughs> true, true. So we have that. We also have a lot of little um, tidbits of information. The camera pans um, before we see her, and there's a captain's log, and it's from the best of both worlds. It's Jean-Luc's mm -hmm. um, captain's log while they're stuck in the nebula. Um, when the Borg cubes fire in magnetometric guided charges to try and flush them out, to try and assimilate the ship. So why is she listening to that captain's log? Has she used it as inspiration yeah. um, to hide in the nebula from these bad guys that wear beak masks? Or um, hmm. the, um, is she looking for ideas in old captain's logs of how to escape them? Right. So I actually hmm. thought those logs was from descent. Remember when she took the Enterprise and hood and hid in the suns? Hmm. But yeah, if it's best of both worlds, because I was thinking, yeah, if she's hiding, but to me, I read descent. So I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, there's definitely there's a few best of both worlds callbacks. Yeah. Throughout the episode. So there's something yeah. there's something about the Borg and Lacutus. Mm -hmm. Possibly look at this because it's the ongoing Picard story. So, yeah. Um, On the other hand, um, we're going to get Lore back, and Lore was in Descent. So I, I hadn't thought about that, Beverly. Or Beverly, Amy. <laughs> okay, so nothing Mirror Universe about it. I would be, if it doesn't happen, that's fine. I wouldn't necessarily like it if it was a Mirror Universe version over. Um, Okay, um, we have Joe. I thought the same thing. Those aliens with the clicking sounds, I felt like it was schisms. Oh, yeah. But then I was like, oh, maybe it's the Breen because they, they're weird helmets, but I have no idea who they are. But those were my two thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. We, and we those, did get confirmation we... from Paul Wright that the episode is best of both worlds that the logs came from. 
So we did talk about uh, just we just recorded a battle battle about schisms. So um, that topic has come up, and if you recall schisms, it ended with a single beam of light leaving the Enterprise, never to be seen again. And so, could it be the schisms baddies? Perhaps. Who knows? It's exciting. But there's a comment about would... them, oh, their, fa their faces changing all the time. So those is, are they some kind of changeling? Don't know. We'll have to wait and see. I know. Um, then, so after that fight scene, um, we hear there's somebody else on the ship with her. It turns out to be mm -hmm. Ed Spieler's character, but we don't meet him just yet. Um, then we go to, we get the opening credits, and we see it's, which is very, it's very Generations, isn't it? Um, that blue font, and it's part one, the next generation. And we've got the first contact music mm -hmm. as well. Um, and then we go back to Earth, Labar in France, and Picard and Laris, who's played by Orla Brady. They are spring cleaning. Um, <laughs> Picard's maybe packing up the things he doesn't really need anymore. Um, what do we think of this scene with the details that jump out at us? I love that he I... and Laris are, are still together. Mm -hmm. Are they romantically involved? I'd I say yeah. So. He's following. He's following her across the galaxy. The sad thing for me is that it feels like this is a way to get Laris out of the story while he goes off on his adventure. And I had wished that Laris, who is a Tal former Tal Shiar agent, could be very useful to him, could be part of this. And and she's been shoved aside. That I don't like so much, but I do like that that. Picard and Laris are still together. Yeah. Amy, Amy you're muted. I really appreciated to see that uh, development follow through from season two. Um, I really like Picard and Laris together. So I was really happy. And in my mind, yes, they are together. He's finally overcome and made that commitment. Um, so that's where they are. And how amazing is she to know, yeah, he needs to go. He's not going to be coming with me. Mm -hmm. uh, he's going to do his thing. And I think that they have worked out that relationship where they are getting what they need and nothing more and nothing less. Plus, does she want to be involved in an adventure that involves his former lover? Mm, maybe not. Mm. Who knows? I, suppose we're just I don't know that that would bother her that badly. I agree with you, Rhea. I mean, the past is the past. We all have a past. Mm -hmm. And she's a grown adult with no reason to be jealous of anyone or anything. Mm -hmm. So that, in this scene, we also learned that Jordi is running the Fleet Museum. Um, I assume it's a Starfleet Starship Museum, it's a big place with lots of old starships in it. Don't really know much about it as yet, but that's where he is. Mm -hmm. From the trailers that we've seen, he's a Commodore. So um, he's basically in charge of the space station. Um, I think, Rhea, you had a, a question about why isn't an engineer running the museum? Yeah, I'm, I'm a little curious to see 
what that's all about because he's an engineer, not a you know museum curator. It's a different skill set, but I'll be curious to see. And, and from some of the um, trailers, it seems did he have kind of a falling out with Starfleet, or I I don't know. Just I'm I'm just curious what all that's about. Well, I think um, from the there was a tie-in novel and possibly a short trek about Geordi being in charge of Utopia Planitia when the synth mm-hmm. attack happened at the beginning of Picard mm-hmm. season one. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's maybe something in that. But I think there's a broader point about it seems like they're all not really in talking terms. So like Riker's yeah. not talking to Troy and Kestra. Picard um, and Riker have fallen out with... Um, Crusher at some point in the um, the past, um, so we don't really know why this TNG family of ours aren't all speaking to each other. It's a bit strange. Yeah, that's very. Yeah, except... That was a big drop. Mm. I didn't. Yeah, yeah. But the whole the, this theme kind of came up over and over for me was it's been more than twenty years. More than twenty years. I mean, I would seem like it seems like it's been way more than twenty years. But think about like where. Where were you 20 years ago? And who do you still talk to, you know, that you were best friends with 20 years ago, 25 years ago, however long? And so from that point of view, it seems a little natural. But, um, yeah, i am been interested to see where, it, I don't know, what happened. I suppose um, I don't know anybody from back in that day where um, we went on great adventures and saved each other's lives a lot. So if I had that experience <laughs> and that connection with people, we might have stayed in contact. Yeah. I'm, I'm not entirely sure. Um, after that scene with um, Laris and Picard, we see Picard, it's later on in the day, and he hears a communicator chip. And it turns out the communicator chip is his old Enterprise D um, uniform communicator badge, and it's chirping away. And it's got an encrypted um, message embedded in it that's been received. Um, turns out that um, it's a distress call from Beverly, who's just had her fight on the Ilios, um, and needs um, she needs his help. Okay, I'm sorry. Why could the computer not recognize that it was a transmission coming in on the badge? That made no sense. Technology nowadays, it would exactly know where a signal mm. is coming from. Yeah. I, why did they even have that in there? That took it's me bit, out of it's it, a bit actually. Yeah. Why did um why was it just at that point where he'd got his um old uniforms down from the loft that yeah. the message was received? And, it seemed too coincidental. It, it, I buy a new a new iPhone every couple of years, and I can turn it on, log into my account, and my calls will automatically get forwarded to my new phone. You would think <laughs> that if if your com badge is connected to your person, like aren't they? Isn't there like DNA encoding? Like they know who's who. They could tell whose com badge is whose. That mm-hmm. if he got a new com badge, things would just get forwarded. To his new combat or whatever console he was sitting at on back on the next generation you just had to say Riker to captain picard and it would message him wherever he was whether it came through his combat or his desk computer or uh or uh you know the main view screen uh it didn't matter where you were so yeah i it 
that was a little bit of fan service for us to see old uniforms and old things that yeah, are, yeah. that make us feel good that didn't really make a lot of sense even like when you think about um 20th century 21st century technology I, I agree with you, Kevin, that, yeah, we, we all know that was fan service, but I think you bring up a good point. It could be he's got other new, you know, iPhones, um, new comm badges that could have picked it up. But because, like Joe said, he had just happened to bring his uniforms down from the attic, that one was right there. And that one happened to still be connected to the whatever subspace myriad codec frequency and picked it up or something. I mean, we could probably mm. tech the tech, explain it away. But, yeah, fan service. So yeah. do we and, think and, that the... Okay, he said... Okay. Rhea, what? <laughs> Sorry, there's a delay here, so I don't know who I'm cutting off. <laughs> um, he did say a more than 20-year-old Enterprise D com badge. What's the timeline here? Wouldn't it be like a 40-year-old Enterprise D com badge? That had me a little confused. Well, and I was also thinking, like, if the com badge, like, Beverly sent it some special kind of codec message or something... Mm -hmm. Would yeah. that specifically TNG Enterprise D com badge? So I'm wondering if there was a link there that maybe his computer at the Chateau didn't pick up that special codec. What was the that? Marriott, the Marriott codec. Yeah. So that's the way she encoded the, mm -hmm. um, the So message. I'm wondering if that had a play in it. I think that was maybe just for a way for her to avoid any contact with Starfleet or the Federation. She knew it was a method that was going to get directly to him and not be intercepted by any any bad players. Right. And if the comm badge was disconnected from Starfleet, that would be a safe way to get the message. Okay. Yeah. I'm I'm working with, this through. I like with, it. With tech to tech, yeah. Cool. Excellent. So yeah. Turns out it's a distress signal from Beverly and um, he has to decide to go and help her. Um, then we go back to Picard and Laris discussing uh, Beverly and that she needs help. Laris is going to go off and meet him on a bar when he's finished doing whatever he has to do, uh, which, like Kevin says, is a way for them to to kind of write her out the story um, so they can focus on their, their TNG family. Um, and then... We get our next big meeting. We get Riker again. Riker and Picard. They meet in a bar mm -hmm. um, to discuss what to do about Beverly. Okay, so yeah. mm -hmm. funny to see all the Enterprise D, the fat ships. No yeah. one wants those. I'm like, um, hello. Yeah. That is everyone's favorite. We all love the D. That mm. was hilarious. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, there was, I was intrigued because they, they show the bottle of whiskey that they're drinking. Um, mm. Swafford, Swafford, S-W-A-F-O-R-D, um, which turns out is not a real brand of whiskey as far as I can Google. Um, but there's one reference to it that I can see. It was used in an episode of MacGyver. The, the really? MacGyver from 2016 to 2020, um, where MacGyver takes a Swafford whiskey kind of banner and uses it as a hand glider to glide down in a, a football stadium because MacGyver mm. would do that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But interestingly, Terry Metalis was a producer and a writer on MacGyver at that point. So oh. it's maybe just, and they're both CBS productions. So right. it's just one of those created things that... Just sharing make, props. Yes. 
sharing mm-hmm. products. But do you know what we'll see it? They do Star Trek wine, they do James T. Kirk whiskey and wine from the bar now. So we'll maybe see some Swafford whiskey. Nice. Um, more down the line. Okay, then, so when Riker was uh saying that that Beverly's message came, yeah, like that uh, myriad codec. And then he just randomly knew, which of course he's smart, but to add three to every number at for the new coordinates, that totally uh, sent me down. Do you remember, uh, was it the three pips? Mm-hmm. That oh, episode? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, yeah. Cause and effect, cause right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that m- reminded me of that. Yeah, totally. But I guess they've retconned that into best best of both worlds because I don't think we ever saw that in best of no. both worlds, did we? No, I don't think so. So he he explains no. it that when was well, so Riker explains that when Picard was incapacitated, i.e., assimilated into Locutus, um, I got the impression that the Borg had introduced a virus into the computer that added a three to all the digits. In all the programs or all the coordinates um and so his way to decipher beverly's coordinates was to um add three or subtract three to get her actual position in the writing system mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so there we go um this is where we hear that again that troy and kestra aren't yeah. talking about it. And like, why? What's going on here? Yeah. What my when I heard this, I was like, Riker, what do you mean you're in a timeout? Are you in the doghouse? What did you do? Mm-hmm. Uh, what's going on with Marina and Kester? Maybe they're just having a mother daughter, you know, experience, and Riker's just gonna wait. I don't know. I hope it's nothing bad. I know. I know. I'm with you there. And the throughout the whole episode, Riker is so chomping at the bit to get some space action that uh, I think it's something more than just uh, so should we've seen them have some space action because he's been he's been busy in um, Lord X hasn't he <laughs> the, the cat, well that was in the past was it? I can't remember I don't know the timeline yeah. now yeah so that was in the past So because um, as Captain Shaw tactfully pointed out Riker is a captain without a chair mm-hmm Oh, that's right. And he's the captain of the Titan in Lord X, isn't he? Mm-hmm. <coughs> okay, let's move on. So we have that little meeting. Um, but then we have the, the scene where there's a bad guy sitting in the bar as they're leaving. Mm-hmm. And the bad guy takes a little spaceship and he, he, he drops it in his glass, doesn't he? And so, um, yeah. But it's not one of the Eagle Moss starships <laughs> that he drops in. It's smaller. And it looks to me like it's one of the old um, Star Trek micro machines. I can't get this ship out the glass now. <laughs> it, yeah, it looks. Gonna like, have to drink it. Um, it looks like one of the little Star Trek micro machines. It's that kind of size. Although, like mm-hmm. Amy said, Amy, I called Amy the other day to have a chat about um, Picard, and it looks more metallic. It looks like one of the pewter versions. Yeah, yeah. Um, I figure the metallic sound might have just been added after the fact by some kind of guy with his xylophone perhaps hmm. um, i just had a flashback to back in the day there was a brand of cereal here called shreddies and i'm sure they had little plastic mm-hmm. enterprises as a prize at the bottom of the box of cereal hmm. back in the day cool. so the Maybe bad guy i've got might have been eating shreddies 
Who knows? He might have been eating shreddies. <laughs> yeah. Space shreddies. Okay, next we're going to a different planet. We're going to the planet Metallus Prime, which is named mm. after Terry Metallus, but not of this episode. There's another link to an earlier episode of Star Trek that Terry Metallus was involved in that this planet is named after. And we're yes. in this cool. District 6, and we meet Rafi. And Rafi has fallen off the wagon. She's meeting a drug dealer. Well, seeing her, she's going to meet a drug dealer. She's getting her drugs. She's trying to get some information. We're like, oh, no, Rafi, you were doing so well. Mm -hmm. um, and then everything's all going to pop. Well, and I figured because she wasn't with Seven, I'm like, mm -hmm. oh, my gosh, no wonder she spiraled. Cause, and I was like, oh, I want those yeah. two together. I was so torn yeah. up with this scene. So torn up. Mm, me too, me too. But we're okay because then she leaves her dealer, yeah, and she pulls out a communicator and she's like, um, yeah, I need a debrief, um, I'm Starfleet Intelligence, yada, yada, yada. Um, but then she looks at her little kind of hypospray of drugs and then throws it away. Mm -hmm. So she's kind of on the edge. She's kind of mm -hmm. on, the on the edge of the wagon. By the looks of it, she struggled mm. with addiction in yeah. the past, uh, and she's hanging around these really bad drug dealer types. But I was so excited to see Rafi. I because I love that character, and it was disappointed mm -hmm. when I, when we thought she was a drug dealer, and when it was revealed that she was working for Starfleet Intelligence, I did give out a literal "woo, yay, yeah. Rafi!" Yeah, like, yeah. She hasn't fallen back off. I was so happy for her that I that I I couldn't keep it inside. Luckily, I live alone and wasn't waking anybody up at five o'clock in the morning. Well, if it you makes know, you feel I any better. Oh, so if it makes you feel better, Kevin, um, I was lucky enough to go to the premiere and there was a, a lot of people also wooed, <laughs> including me Excellent. to see that, that she was, yeah, Starfleet Intelligence. And then after that, we go back to Picard and Riker and they're now in a shuttlecraft and they're approaching a very, very upgraded space dock in orbit of Earth. It's like the people that own space dock, um, had some extra money from a, maybe a tax rebate and decided to build an extension. <laughs> um, some little outhouses, a little, an orangery, a conservatory, uh, a lanai, is that what you call it in the Golden Girls? Um, yes. Yeah, little, <laughs> and I bet there's a food court. There's probably a food court with a Popeyes, a Burger King, and a, um, a Starbucks. There. No, Starbucks. not Chick Fil A. No, like, not Chick Fil A. Chick Fil A. No, let's get that cancelled right now. Um, yeah, so they're approaching. I love this whole scene. They're in their shuttlecraft. They're approaching. It feels very, feels very TOS movie. It feels very next gen. Yes! It feels like we're teenagers again. Um, mm -hmm. And they approach the space dock. The big giant doors open which is just amazing to see. And they approach the the new Titan A, um, the NCC, NCC 80102A. Um, and it's a refit. Well, I'm kind of confused. So the original Titan was a, I think it was a Luna class, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. And then they've refitted it. And it's not a Luna class. It's now a Neo Constitution class. So it looks entirely different to the ship. The original titan but that's fine because yeah. i didn't like the ship when we first saw it in the trailers i thought it looked like some kind of kit bashed thing like the mm -hmm. voyager maquis ship the jaeger class 
bit of a monstrosity, but then actually seeing it on a big screen in kind of full resolution, it's really grown on me very quickly. I did love it very much. And this, I got to admit, was the first time I cried. Like my fourth viewing of this episode, because that is such a, a motion picture moment and the music and everything, oh, that little misty. Yeah. Definitely the music um, kind of makes the whole scene, doesn't it? Um, we can see that the, the composer, Stephen Barton, has been really inspired by Jerry Goldsmith and James Horner and Cliff Eidelman, to certain extent, who wrote um, Star Trek VI. Um, yeah, there's all those elements that we, we grew up loving in terms of the music. Um, so we're on board the, this new Titan, and the doors open, and we've got... Not Seven of Nine, but Commander Annika Hansen. Because the captain doesn't like her going by Seven of Nine, or ex-Borg name. Mm. He wants her to go by her human name, Annika Hansen, which she hasn't used since she was a very little girl. Um, we also, um, there's a bit of a, a fake inspection going on. It's a bit of a ruse that um, Picard and Riker are there. Um, and then, but we get to the bridge which looks amazing, and we meet Sydney LaForge. Um, what are you guys' thoughts? Jump in, please, with your thoughts on this scene. I, I love this scene. I loved uh, Sydney having to bear the brunt of <laughs> of being the butt of her dad's friend's jokes. Uh, like I, I thought that was just kind of awesome. Like, you know, there were those times when you were around your parents' friends and they 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 don't know that much about you, but they know this one thing and they're going to make sure yeah. everybody knows that you were the person yeah. who crashed not one, but two shuttles. <laughs> yeah. I, I liked, uh, Paul Wright brings up that, that this was maybe not the best idea, this harebrained scheme, <laughs> um, but mm. it was so straight out of the Rathicon, down to, you know, being greeted by the first officers, they board the ship for, for an inspection, and, you know, Admiral Kirk, you know, his inspection, he just wanted to get out on the ship, but uh, down to when they walk onto the bridge, and Admiral on the bridge, and then, um, I know I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but um, uh, seven and nine, piloting the ship out of space dock just like Savik did um, and of course the music this was the second time Rhea cried so mm. uh, yeah the music really really helps make it um, about that then piloting a space dock um, a Facebook user has commented um, a bit of a nitpick um, seven calls for one quarter impulse which is roughly equal to a quarter of the speed of light so if you do that it said space dock you're going to fly out like a bat out of hell, aren't you? And not the nice Mosley on speed that they actually do in the episode. Um, good nitpick. I always like a nitpick. That's Max. Thanks, Max. Hi, Thank Max. you, Max. Um, then, oh, do we get the dinner scene? Can we talk about mm. the dinner scene? <laughs> if there's ever... Do you know what? If I only ever get to hate one person in Star Trek... Right now on that hate, Joe hates Star Trek um, pedestal is Captain Edward Jellicoe mm -hmm. from TNG's uh, Chain of Command. Um, but there's another um, person now replacing this, and this is Captain Liam Shaw, who's played brilliantly by Todd Stashwick. Mm -hmm. um, how 
utterly despicable, is he? He just there's no <laughs> redeemable qualities to him. Okay, well, he's the foil. He's the one that's, you know, we're going to contrast your leadership styles. I can already mm. see the podcast in the future. Um, just as much as we hate Jellico, here we have this Jellico of Picard. And I absolutely loved him. I mean, I liked Lorca. I like these <laughs> weird captains that, you know, do things differently. But my gosh, how incredibly rude to start dinner before your guests. I could not understand mm. that. What a power play. What a jerk. Like, this is exactly why I love to hate him because he is a jerk. And I'm excited to see if he, he changes or if he's just going to be this jerk that's, you know, going to mess up everything. I hope he dies. <laughs> I thought that an airlock malfunctions and he gets sucked into space. That's what I'm going to say. Um, yeah, nothing about him. Even when he's, you think he's going to give a plot a compliment, I love you guys. I really do. Um, but then he goes on to say, I love your reckless missions. From Reading the past. about your re irresponsible exploits. Yes, yes. Yeah, Ugh. and it's just it's just nasty. And then he doesn't even, you think it's steak? No, it's some kind of green furry meat that he's serving. It looks, <laughs> and he makes mouth noises. Which triggered me for a start. Is I was, yeah, uh, that like that. That scene that was so ASMR. I was like, "Why are we listening to this?" It drove me crazy. <laughs> so unpleasant. You wouldn't um, like living then, with my roommate then. <laughs> the, let's talk about the ex Borg comment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, she might very yeah. well be ex Borg, but she's your your first officer, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and you're treating her with. Kind of huge amounts of disrespect. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and we don't. We, there must be a backstory. Yeah. Yeah. Is he? Is he now like Beverly's mirror in my mind? Is Liam Shaw a mirror? Liam Shaw. Hmm. Did they come from the mirror universe together? Joe, Mister and Mister and Mrs. Crusher Shaw. <laughs> a baby. But I, I was really Ed curious. Like, how did a jerk like that become captain? So my first viewing, I, I I hated this guy. I'm like, what a dick. What a horrible human being. How did a jerk like that become captain? And then every subsequent viewing, I'm like, wait a minute. That's basically me up there. I saw more and more of myself. And he's so quick and he's so, like, witty in his, in his digs that I have, like you, Amy, I've grown to love him in my four viewings of this episode. And then now I get a search for Spock uh, callback here because he seems kind of a cross between Captain Esteban of the Reliant and Captain Styles of the Excelsior. Um, mm. So for you search for Spock fans out there, but yeah, he's, how did he become captain? But I love him and I hope he doesn't die and he's not mirror. To we take it from his point of view, he's supposed to be going on this routine little flyby for frontier day. And then he gets word that an ex-admiral and the ex-captain of the ship he's in command of show up. I get where he wants to, to, I get that he wants to just do a power move to show them who's really in charge here. But he takes it too far, especially when it comes to, uh, to not taking what Seven wants. Like, 
what, what seven wants to be called seven, not Annika Hansen. And you, you're disrespecting her by not following her choices. Um, and then you're disrespecting your dinner guests by finishing your dinner before they even arrive. That's just rude. And I get you wanted a power move, but mm -hmm. you can do a power move without being rude. I would and have how about their quarters? No. Yeah. Mm. The bunk beds. Yeah. Oh, well, he made that very well known. It was all he could do for such short notice. Again, another dig at their, you know, haphazardly ways. Well, he wants things orderly and precise. And he, I, I wonder, I mean, he's definitely on some part of a spectrum because he can't handle this disruption to his preset plans. Um, Plus the whole control freak thing, but yeah. Oh, I agree with the, uh, um... I, I agree with Paul's comment <laughs> here. I, I think he's right to refuse their orders. Yeah. Like if he if you, they just show yeah. up and say, "Okay, we want to do this," you're like, "No, I don't have time for that." But he didn't have to be this dis disrespectful. Yeah. Hmm. And now in the scene in the quarters, there was that the was that our first ever time in fifty seven years of Star Trek that we had a reference to. Uh, Using the facilities, because Riker's getting old. And when Riker mentioned or... that he, yeah, yeah, I don't know that we've ever had a reference to that before. Uh, was it not a take a leak somewhere? First contact. Yeah. Uh, Zeth okay. And okay. Taking a leak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Uh, gotcha. Don't know where that came from. <laughs> um, yeah, so there's that, there's the bunk bed scene, and then they get called to the observation lounge. The Captain Shaw has gone to bed, and Seven of Nine, Annika Hansen, has called them to ask exactly what the hell they're doing here. Um, which is the way she talks to a friend. Um, mm -hmm. And then, basically, they conspire to kind of turn the ship around and get into the writing system. And then escape on a shuttlecraft. And Liam Shaw is not a happy bunny. Um, he, <laughs> yeah, he's he's decidedly unhappy, and he wants a report. Weirdly, he she's just been insubordinate. Um, uh, he wakes up, finds out that she's been acting behind his back. Wants her a full report on what's happened, but then leaves her in in charge to go back to bed. Yeah, would he really leave her in charge when she directly disobeyed an order? And he doesn't like her at all. Yeah, the looks of it. So mm, I think he's know. all bark and no bite, kind of like the think... Captain Esteban from Search for Spock. Yeah, we were talking about this earlier. Is because obviously we've lost quite a lot of people. Um, lost quite a lot of people in. The Battle of Wolf 359, the Dominion War would have taken out a lot of good captains. The synth attack potentially killed a lot of people. Is there a lack of experienced people that can take the captain's chair? And he's just by accident come up through the ranks and found himself out, his out of his depth. And that why he's trying to be big and mm, I'm captain. No, I bet. I mean, in any huge bureaucracy, you're going to go up the ranks because you're doing exactly what you're told. And he is. He wants everything by the book. So some admirals and Starfleet is really going to like it. Look, he gets everything done. 
dots his I's, crosses his T's. So yeah, he's going to get up there. Is he going to be amazing? Is it really what the ideals of Starfleet? No, but trust me, I have worked for some principals that are should not be in education, but they are because they run a tight ship. Mm-hmm. Good point. Yeah. What do we get? Where do we get? Where are we going next? Um. So we've got the dinner. Oh, we're back on um, Rafi. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, yep. Rafi on Metalis Prime. Um, we see a, a, her. She's watching a video of her granddaughter. Mm-hmm. That's nice um, to see. Who's? Mm-hmm. So this maybe lets us put it in a specific time. Doesn't it? Because mm. last time we saw her, mm-hmm. her, her son and his, was she Vulcan wife? Mm-hmm. Um, oh, Romulan. Pregnant. Romulan. Romulan. Yeah. Yeah, and they were yeah. pregnant with a baby. Mm-hmm. So assuming gestation is still nine months across species, um, and this little girl looks about nine, ten, three or four, eleven, twelve, oh. five. I don't know what age does she look. <laughs> Six. Six. Four. So would that yeah, put as it twenty four oh six, twenty four oh seven in terms of timeline? So I have a question for you. Because she's seen that video, do you think that she is still estranged or have things improved where her son is now sending videos so that she can have a relationship? Or is she being the spy and spying without mm. what what do you think? all speculation isn't it mm-hmm. it could be either of those she's now starfleet intelligence she could have hacked into their exactly their webcams and just watching them from afar yeah just to keep an eye um or like you said it could be she's kind of got that relationship back yeah Who knows? because we she's clean now it appears but she's mm. yeah she's clean but she's not in control you know definitely you, you could see like the the paranoia, yeah. the obsessiveness, for sure. Mm-hmm. So, Still struggling. So this is where yeah. she has our debrief with this mystery ha- handler um, who we never see or we never hear because it's a computer voice they talk through. And um, basically she's got instructions from her handler to find the red lady. Okay. The, the intel she got from her drug dealer guy was about the red lady. I freaked out and I'm like, red lady, I don't want a red <laughs> angel. That was not a good thing. Yes. In discovery. And I was like, there are a million uh, different other colors. Why did it have to be mm-hmm. red? I mean, it could have been the pewter. I mean, it's a statue, right? So why is a statue red? I didn't understand. That I still at think all. it's Beverly Crusher. I still no. think the red lady is Beverly Crusher. Even though no, she's not red no. anymore. No, because when she was looking for um, red lady signs on the computer, we got Frontier Day, we got some Klingon. Yeah, Captain um, Garrett. Day. Yeah, yeah, we got Rachel. some Gratitude, the Bajoran Gratitude Festival. The Bajoran um, Gratitude um, Festival, yeah. Yeah, but Frontier Day um, related to the statue of Rachel Garrett, the, yeah. the unveiling of the statue. So it's definitely Rachel Garrett. Oh yeah, but I still think it's it's Dr. Crusher. I think <laughs> that was statue? a red herring. No, the red lady. Not the red angel. Nor the red herring, but the red lady. 
Oh, right. Okay. But okay. I know what you're saying, but but I think that, yeah, yeah. that that was a misdirect. I'm following your train of thought now. Um, yeah. So then, um, yeah, Red Angel, I struggle with the Red Angel myself um, in Discovery, but that's not what we're here to talk about. Um, red herrings, red angels, red ladies, red everything. Um, Rafi discovers, she puts it all together. They're going to, there's going to be an imminent attack, a terrorist attack, potentially, on the Starfleet um, headquarters on Metalis Prime. So she quickly sets course on the La Serena to District 7. She's in District 6 at the beginning. So she flies over there um, and then tries to get somebody on, on the phone and there's nobody there. And then Doctor Strange comes. Yes. And open some open Portal. some weird portals with portal magic. Yeah. Um and the whole building falls through a hole in the ground, and then the other side of the portal is in the sky, and it falls through the portal in the sky and crashes to the ground, no doubt killing everybody. My instinct was to tell La Serena's computer to lock onto any life forms and just beam them out as fast as you possibly can. But I get that it's the benefit of me watching as a viewer. I can I think like that. When you're seeing this tragedy, mm -hmm. tragedy happen firsthand, well, it'd be difficult to judge. She was trying to contact them, but it didn't mm. seem like her comms were going through. Like she wasn't even getting recognition yeah. that she's... No. So that was really weird. And I'm wondering why, I mean, I know it was last minute and she was like, someone, someone. And then she saw it, but like they're was no response. I mean, that was a little mm -hmm. weird. Yeah, was it, was it being blocked on her end? Was she being blocked or was it being blocked on the receiving end? There was right. some jamming going on. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's um, Chris DeBerg singing Lady in Red. <laughs> nice. Who knows? Uh, apparently another Facebook user says it's not La Serena that we know from Picard Season 2. It's just a, another another ship of that type. That's okay. uh, that's Max again. Okay. okay. Um, thank you, Max. Um, okay, but wait, before oh, yeah, moving yeah, yeah. on, okay. what do we think about uh, Rafi's handler? Oh, it's Worf. We're led that's to believe Worf. it's Worf, don't you? It's got to be Worf. Right? You're a warrior. Where, yeah, where were we led to believe that? Just curious, just, was it the in handler says you are a warrior? Yeah, and because and we know it? Michael Dorn and Michelle Hurd have a really good connection and they they work together in this season, so I think we're just yeah. sort of pre okay, so it's like some insider baseball knowledge, okay. Yeah, curious. Plus, we see the there's a fight scene on the streets. What so looks like the streets of Metalis Prime, um, between Rafi and Worf. Is it a fight scene? Are they adversaries, or is it a training session? Who knows? So, I think everything we know from the trailers and the fact that the handler says gotcha. you are a warrior, that is something Worf would say. Unless it's another red herring, gotcha. or can we not have another a red herring? Not red the fish, herring. the bird. Yeah, a red herring. Hope those are things. Um, who's back in gold uniform? Worf. Worf. So he's not a red shirt. He's a red hair. Mm. Mm, interesting. Worf. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, so uh, another callback to earlier in the episode, Rafi's trying to get information from a drug dealer and mentions some stolen, um, was it uh, quantum tunneling tech that could be used as a weapon? Mm-hmm. And it seems to me that the weapon that they used, the portal thing, seems yeah. a bit like some kind of quantum tunneling device, yes. transporter, wormhole technology. She mentioned it was stolen from the Daystrom Institute, which mm-hmm. uh, now we have another TOS and TOG, a TOG, TNG, yeah. <laughs> um, call back because the old, uh, the old generation Daystrom was originally in TOS. Yeah. Yes, the old, the old series. Wow. Um, but he yeah. created the M5 ultimate computer that about destroyed, you know, a bunch of starships. Like it seems like every time the Daystrom, Daystrom mm-hmm. or the Daystrom Institute is involved, there's you know. This is why weapons. I think. This is why I think the big bad is Peanut Hamper. <laughs> I can see how much delay there is with Rhea's Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, interestingly, in the next um, scene where Picard and Riker get, eventually get to the Helios and go on board, um, I think we see how small the Helios actually is. Because the shuttlecraft basically is half the size of the saucer section, almost, mm-hmm. by the looks of it. Um, the character who we meet, Ed Spieler's character, who I think we're led to believe is Jack Crusher, or his name's Jack, certainly, yes. I think, yeah, from what we can gather. Um, he mentions that they've been fleeing from this these bad guys for a while, but they went, they've fled from Sarnia, Kafar, and a place called Exoport, Again, where the exocomps and peanut hamper comes from. Ah. Yeah. So I don't know where I'd add two and two together and getting 17 million, but um, Paul Wright Jr. is not going to be happy if peanut hamper shows up. I'm with um, you, Paul. <laughs> as, so but remember peanut hamper got captured in Lower Decks and is mm-hmm. in that jail for AIs yes. and computers that have gone mad. Isn't Is that, that at the Daystrom Institute? Yes. Daystrom, yes. Um, yeah. We're piecing <laughs> right? it all together slowly oh but surely. Gosh. Yeah. Goosebumps. Exactly. Goosebumps. So other things that happen, they get on board the Helios, they're looking for Beverly. It's all very dark, like it would be if you were from the Mirror Universe because you're sensitive to bright lights. <laughs> um, right, the, ga- the smell that Picard smells, Riker says... It's Delorium gas, D-E-L-O-R-I-U-M. And I only know that because I had to switch on the subtitles. And that's what the subtitles uh, or the captions say. Um, the, the music that's playing is a compilation of old classics that Picard gave Beverly instead of giving her wine and roses. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I would wonder why you gave her a mixtape. Yeah. And do you know mixtapes in the future are going to be easy because you've got AI that will say that make me make a mixtape of old classics and it's done and sent. Um, Lewine, some of the Chateau Picard from like twenty three fifty four would be nice also. Um, and the roses. Unless you're a Malbec guy, but oh, I don't miss the Malbec. Um. Jack Crusher is Beverly's son. Mm-hmm. To who? We don't know. Is it Picard? Is it Liam Shaw? 
Is it some other guy? Is it um, somebody had been speculating earlier about it being she got she still got Jack Crusher's belongings from the Stargazer? Did he sample some of his DNA and create a, a new Jack Crusher? Or did she um, have another child with Jack Crusher from his sample DNA? Did she genetically edit a, an embryo? That is... Uh, far-fetched. Yes, far-fetched. Totally far-fetched. Yeah. Um, well, it was I've done in Voyager. So. Yeah, I don't think it's a clone of Jack Crusher because he's around about the same age yeah. that Picard would have known him at. So Picard should have recognised him if it's a clone. Um, is it her baby with a space ghost? A mm-hmm. space ghost. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ew. And you know, okay, I'm not in love with her, this, this whole sun out of the blue thing, but he's older than 20. I mean, he's late 20s at least. The actor I, I don't is know, 34. This whole timeline thing kind of gets Yeah. Me. Yeah. Yeah, and so, I know him from Downton Abbey. Yeah. Never seen. Yeah, it. so and go ahead. No. <laughs> Amy, just get kick it off if you want. <laughs> so I've been talking I'm on sorry the about BQN a delay. Collective. <laughs> I've been talking on the BQN Collective, and they're like, "Yeah, who is this?" And they're like, "Well, Beverly was gone season two. Uh, and we know Naked Now happened, and then maybe she was gone, you know, nine months later, raising the kid, and that's where it comes from. But I don't think hmm. the math works out, because I think he's older, like you said. Mm. I, um, yeah. I also think that if, if Jack is Picard's son, she would have told him. And if, especially if he was conceived during season one, because... After that, they were attached and knew everything that was going on in each other's brains. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's, that's out. true. Yeah, that's out. Mm-hmm. But I, they were close enough on the show that if 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 Beverly was having Picard's love child, she would tell him. I, I, I don't know. There's got to be something really terrible has happened that she wouldn't talk yeah. to him. Yeah. If this yeah. is his son, and I hate the whole. Yeah, you know how I am, so unromantic, right? But I, I hate the whole notion. In By the end of TNG, Picard and Beverly had this beautiful, beautiful friendship, this intimate, close friendship. And it was, I loved it. Don't ruin it by uh, doing things and making babies. Just, uh, that's just my harumph. And why does he have a British accent if he's raised with his mom, who has an American accent, but whatever. Because his father is French. <laughs> By an English guy. <laughs> yeah. Well, that explains it. True. Um, yeah, and then we get one of the, I think the best bits, kind of visually. They open the blast doors on Ilios, and out of the the mists of the nebula comes this alien ship 
which kind of, I think, Amy, it reminded you of the scimitar and Nemesis. Absolutely. Like yeah. that whole scene, total Nemesis and the sound that went with it, the drums and the beating totally mm. took me back to Nemesis. And we all know how much I love that movie. But like the proportions were exactly the same. It was like the small ship and this big jaggedy right there and they're face to face. You know, we get this profile beautifully shot, wonderful, all the feels. Okay, it also reminded me of the Narada from 09. Yes. Before it was all upgraded. Oh, so it yeah. looks like the Narada before like before it was all Borgified. Um, and also maybe a Zindi insectoid ship. Now they oh. had like mm -hmm. prongs that I came out that the front, yeah. maybe. Um, slightly. So yeah. yeah, definitely interesting to see who those guys are. Um, and obviously that's their big mothership and then the little ships that they had at the beginning that docked with the Helios. Those are the little kind of shuttlecraft maybe um little scouts. And then the episode ends. And that's that's it. But yeah. I think we really have to have a whole segment dedicated to the end credits because the end credits are just a visual treat for the eyes, aren't they? So I've got a wee slideshow where we're going to Ooh, I meticulously go wow. through. You really all. did come prepared. I did, yes. It's been it's been a work in progress. Um so the first end credit that we see, um basically um it's very L cars themed. Um it is we get the first contact theme music that we heard at the beginning of the episode with yours truly playing it on the piano. Um, oh no, that's, that's different. That's that one I wanted. Um, yeah, Elk. This one, this looks like an Elkars graphic, but it's in an alien language. And that looks to me on the right hand side, like uh, a depiction of this alien ship that's just come yes. out the Agreed. Yeah. So, not really sure what's going to. Hear. Is this an alien virus that's been implanted, or something else? It's just a, a a JPEG that's been shown on a screen. Who knows? Then this about the whole cloning thing. This really interested me. Obviously, it jumped out at me as um, DNA bases for DNA bases. Um, guanine, adenine, thymine and cytosine so when they come in pairs of three they are uh, codons that code for amino acids um, and the ribosomes of cells um, where DNA gets transcribed, proteins get produced amino acids get joined together um, and big long chains of amino acids then they get folded and the, the way they're folded defines their specific function. So GGC, it turns out, is the amino acid um, glycine. AA, I mean, we can't read the end of the AA. It's either AAC or AAG. It's AAG is asparagine, um, or AAC is lysine. And the one in the middle is a stop codon, or a terminator codon, which basically tells the chain to stop. It's like a full stop at the end of the sentence. And then it's, you've got the big chain, of amino acids that then get folded. So, in terms of the whole cloned Jack Crusher, mm. there's, you know what, when we're dealing with genetics and DNA, there's maybe something there. Um, the next one, um, 
there's lots of details in here. Um, if we notice at the top, it says Bird of Prey. So it looks to be some kind of Klingon device. Um, the labels start out in Klingon and then get translated into English. And they include um, terms like waveform bypass conduit, secondary waveform accelerator, diverted ion sensor, and shield energy diverter. So is this a Klingon shield Ooh. matrix? It doesn't look anything like the Klingon cloaking device that we saw in Deep Space Nine. Mm. Um, that looked like a very different piece of kit. But my first instinct was the, the cloaking device. Um, so who knows what that is. Then we get more DNA. Um, don't know, is this the DNA for the American flag? Because the bases are coloured in red, white and blue. Mm -hmm. Or more appropriately, blue, white, and red. So it's the French flag. Oh, right. <laughs> French flag. Or is it the Union flag um, of Great Britain and Northern Ireland? Who knows? So uh, do you think with, yeah. with all of this DNA and mm. genetic engineering, are we going down that road, do you think, in this series? Because there's been a lot of talk in the other series about, you know, genetic engineering and the big ban on it. And it really feeds into, you know, season one of Picard. And Star Trek has always talked about things that are kind of real life things just now in the, the 21st century. So in gene editing, CRISPR, um, genetic modifications are, are current things that are going on. So if they've put it into this story arc, it wouldn't surprise me. Right. It's just weird that it's a theme that goes through the in, in credits. Yeah. Um. Are we do we have another Joe? Do we have another um, Picard clone? Is this a Shinzon Mark II? Ooh. <laughs> I hope not. Yeah. Um. We see this one. This uh, looks to be a holodeck um, programming sequence, and it's a 10 forward bar that we saw in LA. Don't know oh. if the version number means anything. Version Z uh, 012113.12111003M. Does I see the M a 40. Oh, you see a 47? Yeah, yep. there's always a 47. Um, does the M stand for Moriarty? Because we know Moriarty's mm -hmm. appears in the trailers. Mm -hmm. um, but at the bottom of that image, which you can't see because our faces are in the way, um, it says that the safety protocols are offline. Which, hmm. which is dangerous. If you know yeah. Star Trek, you know you don't go on the holodeck without having the safety, the safeties on, so you don't die or maim yourself. Then moving on from the holodeck, um, we get this manuscript. You know, I'm a musician, so um, weirdly, the way they've learned it, it's like a holographic air curse, so the the notes don't necessarily match up with the lines or some kind of weird parallax thing going on but i managed to decipher it by taking multiple frames and piecing it together and um, we'll all know this tune or we all should um this is how it goes So yeah, we've got Pop Goes the Weasel. 
which mm-hmm. is interesting we we tune in itself uh, but it's also the from the first time we met data and encounter at Farpoint back in 1987 he's on the holodeck and he's trying to whistle pop goes the weasel but can't quite master the art of of whistling uh, we also know that Brent Spiner reprises his role as lore in this episode um, but you know what I really want to believe that they've still got Data's memory engrams from Nemesis when they tried to put them in B4. So the punishment to lower, they format them. Yeah, they take out his floppy disks and they put Data's memory engrams in so we get Data back. And that's why we've got Pop Goes the Weasel. Okay, I'll take yeah. that. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm believing that. Nice. And if it doesn't happen, I'm still going to believe it, even if it doesn't. That's that's going to be my little thing. Um, Next, we have this image of a a head, and there's some we see some kind of network in it. Mm. And I'm believing we see a brain scan later on in the credits. So I'm thinking this is some kind of depiction of a positronic network potentially. This is me purely speculating on what that may be. Did we see the same graphic in um, season one? I think. Like, is this Picard's uh, brain map onto the golem? It looks familiar. Similar, yeah. Mm. But I think it's their attempt to re-implant Data's memory engrams into the lower body. Again, huge amounts of speculation here. Mm-hmm. Um, does look like a tachyon detection grid. It's a very small one if it's inside a human head. Um, <laughs> thanks for that, Facebook user. That Facebook user is Kelvin Wood. Oh, Oh, mm-hmm. ships flying around inside your brain. Uh, I do too. This next one, now this next one, you can barely see it up the top right. Um, this one is the EPS power distribution status main bus panel A. Um, and it shows some damage being done um, on the Titan saucer section, which if you remember from one of the trailers, we see what looks like the Helios potentially impact the Titan in that location. Hmm. So I think it's maybe, maybe oh, yeah. like that. Yeah. So that's where the, the Helios had just smashed into the um smashed into the Titan. Then we have an official Starfleet war damage report with a serial number, and it's for the USS Constance, which was a Constellation class, and interestingly, it was lost in action in star date 44002.3, which is the same star date that the Battle of Wolf 359 happened in. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, There's some more information down the bottom. You see the impact locations um, on it. We also see its course bearing 024 Mark III, it's either three six or three eight, but it's hard to decide. And then there's some a summary of events. The events finish with um, the fact that the the ship was deployed um, on the starboard flank. So we don't know what that was about. Um, something called Mark Swanson says, "Joe, your knowledge is amazing. Thank you, Mark." Um, We've also got, now this is the space dock with its new um, its new lanai, the conservatory, <laughs> uh, the shopping emporium. 
<laughs> it's new additions that we've not seen before. Um, and there are a number of ships in orbit. Mm. Um, we've got the NCC 080107, um, which isn't the Titan because the Titan's 80102A. Mm -hmm. so, so that's a different ship. There is a reference to the 80107 on memory beta, which means it's appeared in a, a book or a comic book. It's a, a Luna class starship, which was... Uh, the Titan was a Luna class originally, mm -hmm. and it's the USS Ganymede in orbit. Mm. Um, Joe, but oh, in this in this image... Aren't yeah. we seeing above, so in the top right, uh, is that a Defiant-class ship? It does to me uh, look like a Defiant-class ship. And on also, the left-hand side, that looks like a Discovery, uh, the same sort of ship as the Discovery. Oh, I thought it was more, like, just before, like, under Drew Nichols, that one. Yes. Yeah, I thought that was an Intrepid-class ship. Oh, like a, like Voyager. Yeah, um, we all, there's one that, that just comes into focus in a slide, and it's the NCC uh, 52136, and that is the USS Appalachia, which is a steamrunner, hmm. um, class heavy frigate. Um, it was in service in the 2370s, so it's a pretty old, it's now well, coming on 40 years old. Um, after that... This is one we see a bit later on. It's a sideways view. It's really hard to read, um, but it's talking about the the codec that Beverly and Cards, um, seven Alpha Tango, his his password. I don't know when. When do we get to a point where you just freely speak your passwords out? Yeah, you mean your your Windows password out or your. ATM pin number out to people. Um, mm -hmm. so, um, the other interesting one that we see is this is the Fleet Museum that we discovered Geordie's at the Commodore of. Um, turns out it doesn't look like it's on um, in the solar system. It's on Athan Prime or Athen Prime. And there are some hero ships listed. We've got the USS Voyager. Uh, the USS Pioneer, which looks to be a really old ship, NCC-1500. Uh, we've also got the original um, USS Enterprise, and we've got the USS Excelsior. So it's Enterprise A, so it's the refit. And do we see? No, our heads are in the way, so we don't get to see that it's the USS Excelsior. Um, and we are, do you know what? Some part of me, this... Um, all the Starfleet, current Starfleet vessels are out on Frontier Day stuff. And in order to beat the bad guys, they ha Jordi has to quickly bring out mm -hmm. all the, the fleet museum ships, our mothballs. So we get the original Enterprise, we get Voyager, and we get the Titan A, and we get the Excelsior on this big battle scene that looks amazing at the end of the episode. But who knows? We will wait and see. Then, um, yeah, that's the the one we saw side on earlier. The okay. uh, Beriad Codec Authorization Picard 47 Alpha Tango. And that's what Picard uses to decrypt the message from Beverly at the beginning of the episode. Um, we've got a performance evaluation. 
And the reporting officer is Captain Liam Shaw Ooh. on board the USS Titan. And the name and rank of the person he's writing about is Commander, then it's redacted. Um, so I, where I would assume that that's about Commander Annika Hansen. It's a performance mm. evaluation. And I would imagine it's not going to be a glowing report. Mm-mm. Nope. It's going to be a bit stingy with its praise, potentially. Um, next, we have something that's a bit cryptic. Do mm-hmm. not seek blame. Do not seek anger. It's AN something. And oh, I've got uh, no idea. Mm. Weapon found on site. Angel? Yes. Red mm. angels, yeah, possibly. Weapon found on site. Disengage investigation until further notice. Don't know. So, yeah, but that's the most cryptic of all of them, I think. Do not seek blame. Do not seek, seek something else. Another is the biomed systems. We've got the human genome. We've got the base pairs shown. We've got a breakdown of their genetic code. And we've got a patient ID. And the patient ID is D41-542213. I did, I did Google that and various variations of that, and I couldn't find anything. So, But the fact that the, the actor credit for that is Ed Spielers. <laughs> mm, is that a coincidence? I'm not sure. Um, we will find out in the next nine episodes. This to me looks like uh, some kind of wave function, some kind of transmission. Mm. Says predicted function. But that's the weapon. Is that the weapon is projected somewhere and it opens up a portal that drops buildings on a planet? Yeah, that looks like mm. quantum tunneling. Something, yeah, you could very well be right. It's another hint. Uh, I assume we'll find out more. Then coming to the end, we see a red alert. It go as the music progresses. Um, the music gets a little bit faster, and um, also the these slides go by a bit quicker. So we get a quick flash of a red alert. That's a um, Rathacon red get, alert, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, we get a micro neurographic scan with what looks like a, a brain. An organic brain. Um, and then um, we get the overall view of where all these slides were taken from, which looks to be like the back of the bridge of the USS Titan. Mm-hmm. And that is pretty much the end credits. Wow. Wow. Wow, Joe. Wow. Yeah, wow. <laughs> Do you know what? I was so much fun doing that because I felt like such a geek. Just like <laughs> going down the rabbit hole looking at every single little bit of text and what does it all mean? And you you got to know they've not done it's not just a haphazard attempt to put together credits. They all mean something for the whole oh, show. Yeah. And I can't wait to find out what it's going to be about. Mm-hmm. So I know we've talked about the music a lot, um, and we mentioned Steve Barton was um, brought on as the composer for season three. Interestingly, Jeff Russo remains as the kind of the supervising composer for the whole series. Um, don't know why that is. Maybe that's something they always do. Um, I don't know anything about Steve Bar- Barton. Not even looked him up. Is he new to composing? Don't know why they didn't ask me. 
Um, but yeah, <laughs> maybe in a few years' time, um, as Jeffrey so acting as a mentor. One thing I do know about Steve Barton is that he was very heavily influenced by Jerry Goldsmith, James Horner. Mm -hmm. We see, I think we even see some Star Trek VI Cliff Eidelman references. Um, Rhea, you mentioned the Wrath of Khan, there's that use of the piccolo a lot of times, which gives us kind of a more military feel um, to the yeah. music. Um, yeah, the whole thing is, a, all of the music's just a love letter to TOS movie and TNG fans. Yep. Did you guys love the music as much as I did? Yes. <laughs> yeah. That's what that's what brought tears in my eyes like three times. The Mutara Nebula music when they go into the nebula. Oh my gosh. And then, okay, so I've also seen episode two and there's a certain theme when a certain person of a certain species comes in and that, again, more full body goosebumps. They have done a beautiful job marrying all the music and all the themes from the previous, you know, series. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, yes, goosebumps. Mm, absolutely. Um, let's speculate. I know we've decided that Rafi's handler um, is definitely Worf. Yeah, mm -hmm. We've called it here on this live podcast. Um, lore, let me maybe discuss lore a little bit. We've not discussed Moriarty really at all and how, he, how he's maybe going to feature. Um, any speculations? But Moriarty, he's going to be a one-off like Guinan was. You know, we're going to have a little tidbit for us, and it will move the story along. But I think he's only slated to be two episodes. I think. Okay. I read, so it's I, not going to be through the whole thing. He's just going to be there. It'll move the story along, and then he's gone. My gut so, says that because Moriarty was created to defeat Data, that they call on Moriarty to help with lore. Mm, for advice, yeah. It's, um, if you know, if he could outthink data, then he can outthink lore. And maybe he's maybe they go to Moriarty for some kind of trap. Yeah. So maybe this yeah. is some kind of um, kind of diversion mid-season, where it's like a, maybe a couple of standalone episodes where they have this problem with lore. They've got lore, and they've got a problem with lore because he takes over the ship, and they bring Moriarty onto help and then we get back to the rest of the season mm. with the um, the red seagulls and the the bad guys and the big jaggy ships that's it hmm what if it's mirror lore and mirror moriarty they <laughs> 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 would have goatees yeah true so true can't, can't, can't be them um and we don't yet know how the ilios bad guys are related to the red lady terrorists okay here's my theory yeah if if it is the schisms aliens mm -hmm. they also use portals to travel between places yeah uh so perhaps the they and the the weapon from the day that they got from the daystrom institute creates portals perhaps they portals happen through subspace mm. so i like i can see a way where the schisms aliens get can tie all this together see if you hadn't just watched schisms the, i know yeah. if i hadn't just watched schisms this wouldn't have come to me at all 
because my original thought is mm-hmm. it's the conspiracy aliens from season one, mm-hmm. which is another dangling plot. Which I would love to see. Fantasy. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, and they say mm-hmm. that the the aliens can appear with many faces. You know, if you're a little bug that can take over any body, the faces can look like anything. So, the bugs have taken over the schisms bodies. Yeah, <laughs> two for one. So. Those are my two theories, and I'm excited to see that neither of them are correct. I think all of our theories are correct. I think Mr. and Mrs. Crusher Shaw with her clone Picard baby have come from the mirror universe. They've, they're they in league with the schisms aliens that were infected by the conspiracy aliens that then kind of got in league with the Dominion, the changelings. Um, and it's all the bad guys from all of TNG mm-hmm, that are just mm-hmm. ganged up to take Picard down once and for all. I think these are true facts. And the only one that can save them all is Peanut Peanut Hamper. Wesley Crusher. (laughs) Peanut (laughs) Hamper. Peanut (laughs) Hamper. Yes. Awesome. Um, Perfect. Cool. I think that pretty much wraps up the the episode, really. Mm -hmm. We're all... I'm so glad that I enjoyed the episode. I was really not looking forward to podcasting if I didn't like it because I've been struggling with nice things to say about it. But it was really easy because there was so much to say about it. Yeah. Anything else? Can't wait to see what happens this week. I can't wait for the soundtrack. And oh yeah, if if the quality stays this good, I'm going to be so sad when it's over. Yes. This is the end, folks. It's going to be devastating when it's over. Unless, so I did, I did, uh, you can also hear this theory on this week's um, Infinite Diversity coming up. But the reason that I think this episode is called The Next Generation is because we've seen mm. the children of LaForge, the children of Crusher, the children of, of Raffi. So we're talking about a literal next generation mm. of people. Oh, so is this going to open up like the new rumored teenage drama Starfleet Academy thing? And it's going to be Rafi's granddaughter. Um, it's going to be Sydney LaForge's some kind of trainer. It's going to be all the kids. Mm-hmm. Oh, that sounds yeah. terrible. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we need a wee sound effect, don't we? Mm-hmm. And my finger's not even on the button mm-hmm. or anywhere close to it. Is it that one? Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. She doesn't even use the Myriad codec. I'm disappointed in her. (laughs) We would love to hear what you thought of today's first live episode and hope you'll join our Facebook group, the BQN Collective, to continue our discussion there. You can also tweet your thoughts at Galaxy Class Pod or you can follow the network on Twitter and Instagram at BNQ. BNQ is a hardware store in the UK. Okay. Um, at BNQ, B, uh, BQN, at BQN Podcasts. I've podcasted for hours today and get tired. Mm-hmm. Kevin, you're up. Oh, it's me. Please hit the subscribe button on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast to leave us a star rating and a written review that helps others to find the show. So you can also follow the entire network's podcast with our master feed by searching BQN. And this way you won't find uh, miss any of our fine shows like 
All Good Things with Miss Amy Nelson, Union Federation also with Miss Amy Nelson, History with the Zalagis, Infinite Diversity, which you can hear Joe and I on this week, mm-hmm. Mickey's Marvels, Tricksperts Quiz, and What's the Tea Bev? So, Rhea, where can people find you when you are enjoying all of the TOS callbacks in Picard? Oh, my gosh. When I am not blowing off my studying to listen to all the TOS callbacks in Picard, you can find me uh, in the simulators for the next foreseeable future and then back in the airplanes. Uh, But otherwise, on the BQN, make sure I got the letters right. The BQN Collective, um, where, yeah, I tend to post some Star Trek adjacent memes and love hearing from everybody. And Kevin, where can people find you when you are not carrying conspiracy space bugs through quantum tunnels to infect the schisms aliens? (laughs) <laughs> um this was uh if, if if i'm not doing that which i probably won't be because bugs are icky uh if i'm not doing that <laughs> you can find me uh in the bqn collective i post there several times a week uh you can listen to me on true north nerds which is a general nerdity and po- uh, geekery podcast i do with some local friends here we talk a lot about marvel and star wars which means i gotta find time to see ant-man this weekend and uh you can see me on twitter and instagram uh i'm in those places as well uh joe where yeah. can people find you when you're not locked inside a stasis tube recovering from phaser wounds oh that sounds nice doesn't it just a wee stasis tube just to like have a good long rest at the end of a school term that sounds amazing but when i'm not doing that um you can find me probably preparing next week's live episode because this was a mission um you can also get me on the bqn collective our listeners group on facebook you can email me joepodcasts at gmail.com or you can get me on Twitter and Instagram at joejoe77uk. It's written right there. Oh, look, I did that. Like, do, 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 do. Excellent. Um, <laughs> and Amy, where can people find you when you're not dropping buildings out of portals? Well, when I'm not doing that, uh, you can find me here on the network where I am as... Kevin said, co-hosting a couple shows on the network, Union Federation, which we will be doing. You can hear more of my thoughts uh, on uh, Picard there. Uh, Of course, here at Galaxy Class and all good things. I am on Twitter at Miss Amy Nelson, which is right there. (laughs) (laughs) And of course, in our Facebook group, uh, the BQN Collective. Amy? Oh, no, we need a sound effect, don't we? Uh-huh. Priority that one. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on Secured Channel. If you'd like to help us keep all of our shows coming to you each week, you can become a patron of the network on Patreon. We are putting out more exclusive content for our patrons that you won't want to miss, like It's Green, Amy's Math Moments, Trucksperts Quiz, so much going on. We have our, also our monthly meeting roundtable discussion uh so we've got that as well so please go to patreon.com slash bqn and a huge shout out to our very own associate producers jim mcmahon and davy willett we are so grateful for your support 
At this time, we'd like to thank our executive producers who make all this possible, and a special thanks to Mark White for our artwork, and Joseph Keegan for our show music and our slides and all the in-depth research, and for just being you, Joe. Joy and you're muted. on mute, Joe. I'm just going to say that show music that's playing now as our closing. Thank you for being beaming aboard Galaxy Class, and until next time, Help me, Obi-Wan. You're my only hope. Stay classy, Galaxy. I thought I could one day inspire people to follow me, even if it's dangerous, the way that you do. Great joy and gratitude. As long as we don't have to shoot or move, we'll be fine. <laughs>